to you in your place right now. So you might think that you're checking us out. We're checking you out this morning. It's so good that you're with us this morning. We thank you. Go around, wake up the family if they're not up. Whatever you have to do, get everybody around, around the TV, around the computer, around the iPad, around the tablet. I don't care what it is. God's ready to move in this place. and He's ready to move in your home. So I'm so fired up about that. We thank you for tuning in. Take this link. Share it with your friends. Share it with people on Facebook. Get it out there. Let everybody know that, man, there's a church that's fired up this morning and the Holy Spirit wants to move in your home. So we're going to pray really quick, then we're going to jump right into worship. So gather around, let's pray together. So Father, we thank you, God. We love you, Lord. You are so good. You're such a good, good Father. So Father, we thank you this morning. We thank you for, for your grace, your mercy in our life, and we thank you for your favor over us right now, Father. We thank you for everything you're doing in our lives, Father. We thank you for your peace that guides us through the storm, Father God. We just thank you for that. And Lord, this morning, I ask that your Holy Spirit move, that it move in the homes, Father God, that are watching this morning, in the cars, in the businesses, wherever you're at, Father, just let the Holy Spirit breathe on you where you're at right now. So, Father God, we just lift you up this morning in worship. We lift you up in praise. We give you all the praise, all the honor, all the glory in Jesus' mighty name. Amen and amen. Come on, let's get ready to worship.
You know, I'm sitting in that moment and, oh, you just want God to have his way in your life. But I love where it says he's on the throne, the throne of your heart. We just rejoice in you, Lord. We thank you, holy. We thank you, holy. Holy, we just thank you, God. We rejoice in your name. We lift you up this morning. Come, Holy Spirit. God, it's so good to just sit in your presence. Just celebrate you and lift you up and bring you glory. Ooh, can we go back into that? I just want to go right, right back into it. You, I just want to sit in that for a moment. I want you to just experience that in your homes and just think how powerful, how wonderful he is when you submit to him, when you give him all the praise and all the honor and all the glory in your home as he sits on the throne of your heart. So, Father, we just lift you up this morning. Come on, we're going to spend a little more time at worship.
Yeah, come on, Lord, have your way, Father God. We surrender to you. Have your way in our homes, in our schools, Father, in our churches, in our communities. Father God, have your way in this city, in this nation. Father God, we want more of you, Lord. So we lift you up this morning. We give you all the praise, all the honor, all the glory this morning in Jesus' mighty name. Come on, we all said amen around here. You say amen at your house. Come on, we love you all. We thank you for tuning in this morning. Take a little bit of break. We'll be right back in a few minutes with a great message. Man, good morning, Destiny. We are so excited you're with us this morning. I'm DJ, along with my wife, Jules. We just want to say we love you guys. We miss you all. Come on, virtual hugs. There it is. I'm getting my hugs in this morning. We really miss you guys, and, and I love the fact that we get to hear from people on social media. We get to hear from people, you know, reaching out to us with text messages, and, and you know, sometimes we run into people and see people at the store and stuff, but man, you don't even know how much we love our family, and we just miss you all. So, so it's so powerful that, that no matter what's going on, that, that, that your family is still here. So never think that, that you're in this alone. We love you guys. We're praying for you all the time, and we miss you so much. And do me a favor. Share this link. Right now is a good time. If you weren't tuned in prior to worship, share this link right now. Get it out to everybody. There's an amazing word coming, and we want everybody to hear it. We want everybody to tune in. Share it with those people that, that are just your friends. So share it on Facebook. Wherever you can get it, make sure people can tune in this morning. We want the word uh, to, to just to kind of just 
go like waves across the, the airways this morning, across the, the internet this morning. We want God's word to flow and just do amazing things. So that happens because of you, and we thank you for that. We thank you for that. I love what Matthew 18, 20 says. It says, for where two or three are gathered together as my followers, I am there among them. So here's the thing. No matter what, even if you're not in church, God is with you because you're gathered together wherever you are, in your workplace, at home, uh, whether you're driving. We're just lifting up the Lord this morning, and he's going to show up and do mighty things right where you're at, and we love that. And as we're gathering at home, here's the thing. God's moving in your home, and the Holy Spirit's present. But also what you need to understand is God's been moving outside your home, and God's been moving in this church. And what we have is we have a... Man, we have a wonderful family uh, that we have in our church, and they've been pouring into our parking lot. Uh, and I want to show you guys some pictures. Uh, if we have some pictures we can put up of the, the, the parking lot. I want to show you what's been going on here at Destiny Church. While you guys are at home, check this out. I got a little video for you. Come on, isn't that good? Come on, thank you for your faithfulness. Thank you guys for pouring in. Those that poured into our parking lot, those that continue to pour in, God is so, so good. So I want to give a special thanks out to Johnny and June and Mark and, and Tiffany. We thank you guys, the Joneses. We thank you for what you're doing behind the scenes. We thank you for what you're doing when nobody else can see it. So guys, we love you. We thank you. And man, God is moving in this place. So we look forward to, to being able to use that and just be able to host our families here at Destiny Church. I'm fired up because I love seeing what God's doing in this house. And I know he's doing just as much in your house. So you, you have to remember that our number one goal is your safety and we're concerned about you. So please, if you need anything, if things are tough in any way, we want to pray for you. We want to help you with resources. Whatever we can do as a church, reach out to us, call our church, go online, look us up, send us an email, however you have to get a hold of us. Let us know what you need. We have our prayer partners. We should have some numbers up there. If you could put those prayer partners, take a picture of that. I don't care what you do. Those are numbers of people that are standing by to pray for you. So take a picture of that call, text, however you want to get a hold of them. We want to pray for you this morning, throughout the week, throughout everything we're doing. We just want to take care of you uh, and pray for you. So those are our prayer team members. So make sure you have them on there. So man, we're excited today um, because, you know, we have a huge part of our family in the house. Uh, and it's so important to understand that, that we have a family in our house that, uh, that man, I, I never, you know, never ever want to call them a guest because they're family. Um, and this is uh, a speaker today that, that that he's got a word to share, and he's a spiritual father to me. He's an apostle to our church, and he's a brother in Christ. And he and his family, um, it's Rachel uh, and Moe and Amos and Doc and Manny and Zion and Jesse and, and Finney, who's not even here. 
Um, we just want you guys to know that, that, that we love you so much and we thank you. They're missionaries from, from Mexico and they're in the States for, for a few months and, and they're here and it's so powerful to do life with them. It's so powerful to be around them and we're just honored to have them with us uh, this morning. And I know God's ready to do uh, some amazing things with the word uh, that he has to bring us this morning. So uh, what I want to do is I want to turn it over to Brother Bo Barton. Um, so if you guys could just at home get ready for an amazing word. We just love him, and we're going to give him the mic right now. So we love you, brother. Good morning, everybody. It's awesome to be here at the church and in your living room. Got your Bibles? Go ahead and go to Isaiah 60. Hope y'all are all doing well. We are praying for everybody to see the hand of the Lord in these days and to be overtaken by the goodness of the Lord and the land of the living. So, I, I've been reading in Isaiah like I always do. Or have been for the last couple of years, a chapter or two every day. Peace of God ought to come on you when you're in the house of the Lord so you can sleep. He's good. He ain't bothering me. Let him rest. What we do is spirit. It penetrates the subconscious. But uh, I'm blessed. I'm blessed to be with you all. But this week I've been reading in Isaiah and... and and I got up to chapter 60, and I, I read this several days back, and it's been on me. And I've been rereading this chapter every day because of the way the Lord is speaking to me and through this. And it's amazing. I've been rereading Isaiah over and over and over again for, I think, almost two years now. And, I, and it, I'm just amazed at the way the Lord keeps pulling out something new for me each and every time I go through the, these chapters in this book when he will speak so powerful me, powerfully to me in, in this verse and then I read it several months later and it's the same verse and he reveals a whole different truth to me that just blows my mind and I can't move on from it for, for days and it, until it gets down into my spirit and until it's written on the tablet of my heart. And it excites me because the word of the Lord is living and it's powerful and it's truth and, it, and it, it brings freedom and it brings deliverance and it brings joy. And and I just want to encourage you all these days because we, we need to be pers- purposeful in these days. We need to be very intentional. I, I use this word, I use this word the other day and, uh, and it's been a word that's has has been on me for a while and it's I don't want to be reactionary I I don't want to be someone who is always having to react to the circumstances around me I believe when you walk with the Lord and you walk after the Holy Ghost and you walk in the Spirit he is always putting you in a position where you're not reacting to the circumstances as they unroll you're already pre-positioned to God and to move forward and to withstand as those situations begin to come. 
And it doesn't mean you're going to know everything that's going to happen or you're going to understand every situation as it unfolds. But if you're following the Holy Ghost, I have learned in my walk with the Lord that if you're following the Holy Ghost and you're really bowing down to him and allowing him to take you by the hand and lead you and to prepare you, every time these situations come upon you, even as the shock might have might impact you you're still in a position to not have to react and try to recover quickly but you're already prepared to to respond in a way that makes you look as if you knew it was already going to happen and that is how the Lord intends for us to live and in chapter 16 Isaiah I'm just going to go ahead and read in verse 1 it says rise up and this is in the passion it says rise up in splendor and be radiant For your light has dawned, and Yahweh's glory now streams from you. Look carefully. Darkness blankets the earth, and thick gloom covers the nations. But Yahweh arises upon you, and the brightness of his glory appears over you. Nations will be attracted to your radiant light, and kings to the sunrise glory of your new day. Lift up your eyes higher and look all around you and believe. When I read this a few days ago, man, this just so impacted me because it it is, to me, an example, and I know this is a prophecy dealing primarily directly with the Lord Jesus and his coming, but it also is applicable to us as sons and daughters of God. And, and, and And it shows us the truth that we're supposed to walk in and the reality that we're supposed to, to be absorbed by. And, and, I, and I enjoy this because it says that in verse 2, he says, look carefully. The Lord's speaking to us. He, he tells you to look carefully. Look around you. Look, look at the circumstances to your left and to the right. He doesn't, he doesn't want us to ignore what's happening. He doesn't want us to act like these things aren't real. He doesn't want us to act like we're not in the middle of a dire situation here in this place. He, he encourages us to look and to look carefully to discern and to observe and to be able to see what is happening all around us in our generation. And he says right there, thick gloom covers the nations. Dark it, darkness blankets the earth. I think we could say that's pretty applicable today. In our, in our, in our world today, I don't know if ever in the history of our world, our planet, since the Lord created it, since the flood, has one situation affected the entire planet at the same time like this. I, there, there's just no way to even begin to measure the, the effect that, that the sickness has had across the planet, and it has touched every realm, every country, every t- tribe, and every tongue, every nation. Nobody has escaped it. And, and so we're in the middle of a, 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 of a situation where this verse is, is so right. Darkness blankets the earth and thick gloom covers the nation. And this is what the Lord is telling us to look and to observe and to carefully see. He's not telling us as believers and as sons and daughters of God to to come into this little hyper-faith bubble and act as if nothing's happening. That's not what he tells us to do. He tells us to look carefully and to discern the moment. 
But that's not where he leaves us. He doesn't tell us to look carefully and stay in that observation. He tells us to look carefully, but then he puts in a but. But then he puts in a but. But Yahweh arises upon you. And the brightness of his glory appears over you. I like like this because it deals specifically, individually, as a church, yes, but also as a son and a daughter of God. This is dealing with you, wherever you're at. If you are born again and, and are bought by the blood of Jesus and are a son and daughter of the great, mighty God, then this is what the truth is that he's declaring over you. That even though darkness blankets the earth and thick gloom covers the nations, he is telling you, I arise upon you. I am Yahweh. I am your Father. And I declare that I am hovering over you in my radiant glory. And I am causing you, I am causing you to be the brightness to be the light of the world. I am causing you to let the brightness of my glory appear over your life. Man, he does not allow and give any place for us to sit in the place of gloom or in the place of darkness. He doesn't tell us to act like it's not happening and it's not all around, but he immediately lets us know that is not the realm that you dwell in. That darkness does not cover you. It might cover the world, but my glory is upon you because I myself have arose upon you and over your life and over your house. And that's the truth that he wants us to walk in. And we need to understand this is his expectation of us in this hour that we're living in as sons and daughters of God. Nations will be attracted to your radiant light and kings to the sunrise glory of your new day. In verse 4, this is what I like. Lift up your eyes higher. Look all around you and believe. It's almost as I can see the Lord saying this to us, and, and, and maybe somebody is downcast and, and, and one of his sons or daughters, and they're, they're being so overwhelmed by the events that are coming in one right after another, uh, and, and it's just like a flood, and you, you don't think that your head can come above the waterline, and, you, and your eyes are downcast, and your soul's downcast. And he comes up beside his, his child, and like a loving father, he tells you, rise, look, lift up your eyes and look carefully all around. Observe what's happening. But then he, after careful observation, he comes and he gives another commandment. He says, lift up your eyes higher. And look all around you and believe that. Lift up your eyes higher. Look all around you and believe what you see at that realm. Don't believe what you see here as the reality that trumps all the truth and the promises of the Lord God Almighty. He commands you to lift your eyes higher and to look. And what are we going to see when we lift our eyes higher? This is Isaiah who wrote this chapter. And in chapter 6, he had his own encounter where he saw the Lord high and lifted up, seated upon his throne. He was exalted. He himself had the blessing and the revelation of a king seated upon a throne, high and lifted up. 
And he knows what he's saying as he prophesies these words out of his mouth. He knows what, what he, he, he anticipates us to see when we walk in obedience and we lift our eyes above the circumstances on the world here that we live in and we begin to look up into the realm where we've been invited to go. We're to see the Lord high and lifted up, seated upon a throne, a king with a scepter of power, ruling and reigning, who has never known defeat, whose words cannot be undone. And that's what he expects for us to look at. And we need to be careful in this day that all our eyes are not detained here below and we, we, we're, we're fixated on the gloom and we, we're, we're overtaken by the darkness because that's the level of our eyesight. You must take that into account, but you're not allowed to let your eyes stay there. You take what you see to the next realm. You take and you look up and you see what the Lord has purposed and you see what perfect order is. You see what a king is like as he reigns and rules. The heavens is his throne and earth is his footstool. And that's what he wants us to see. And that's what he expects for us to believe in this day that we're walking in. And, and as I, I was thinking about these verses, and I, I'm probably not going to talk very long today. I, I just have been meditating on this because this is... This is our hour to shine. This is not our hour to be reactionary to the situation around. This is our hour to allow the glory of the Lord to be manifested in our lives to the generation around us. This is the hour that the Lord has made us for. And hours just like this. That when the whole world is in disarray and darkness has overtaken everybody and everybody is under this spirit of gloom and hopelessness and they're worried and they, they, they can't get their minds off the situation and what everybody's telling them. And this is the hour where God expects the sons and daughters of God to arise and to begin to let the glory of the Lord shine into the darkness. And the glory of the Lord cannot be overcome by gloom and darkness. It is impossible. I, I think I've told a story here before, and I've told it in lots of places, but quite a few years ago when we were all in Mexico, we found some caves when we were hiking, me and my boys, and, and we set a day apart to go back. These caves were in a very secluded place, and it wasn't a place where tourists went. It was up in the mountains. You had to work to get there. But we sat a day, and we went, we took ropes, and we had some flashlights, and we had all kind of things, and my boys were little. Moses was probably 8, 9, or 10, some, maybe somewhere around in there. Finney, a little bit older and all the way down, Doc and Amos. And, and we hiked down in there, and, and this cave was pretty unique because it was on the side of a mountain. You had to hike down, had a huge waterfall, and on the side of the waterfall, there was, it was almost looked like a man-made door. And if you, if you, weren't careful, you would glance over that waterfall looking around and you would not have seen that. But somehow or another, the Lord let us see it. And so we went that first time that we found it when we were hiking, looking for souls in the mountains. We, we, we looked in the doorway and I thought, well, that's, that's a little bit more than I want to go into right now. Let's come back. And we set the date and we went. And so we get to the doorway. All the boys got their flashlights. I got my flashlight. And we walk into this hall. It's like a hall carved into the side of the mountain by God. And you walk in there, and it's probably about maybe 15 yards long. 
And the further you get away from the door, the darker it gets. And in the hallway probably is not much wider than me stretching out both my arms. It wasn't much taller than, than me. Uh, I'm right at about six foot. So it was not a very big entryway, and, but it was about 15 yards long. And the further you got away from the entrance, the darker it got. And we got pretty close to where the, the hallway ended. And, and we took out our flashlights, and we had very little light from the outside. And we took another couple steps, and we stepped into this huge, it was like a like an inside coliseum inside of the mountain. It was amazing. I don't remember exactly, probably it was, uh, I don't know, maybe 40 yards uh, in, in square, it seemed like. And it was probably about 15 to 20 yards high. And, and, and as soon as you stepped into this big giant room out of this hallway inside of the mountain, it looked like something out of a movie. But and, it, and there was no more dirt. It was all sand like you were at the beach. It was the oddest thing. And, and we stepped into this giant room, and there was very little light left. And I told the boys, cut your flashlights off. And, and one after another, they started cutting off their flashlights. And it got down to me as I held mine. And as soon as I cut my flashlight on or off, there came such a darkness that it was, it was so thick that when I put my hand in front of my eyes, I couldn't see my hand. It was probably the deepest darkness I think I've ever been with my eyes wide open. You couldn't see any light from the entrance. We didn't have any flashlights. And it was so dark all you could hear was the bats starting to fly. <laughs> and then my boys started to whimper because they started getting scared. And all of a sudden, I had four boys holding on to my legs. And I, and I cut my flashlight back on. And the second that I cut on my little bitty flashlight, in the midst of that deep darkness, it was the most amazing experience because darkness had to retreat. Darkness had no place within that realm of influence of that light. The darkness was still there. It just wasn't standing where I was. And immediately my sons calmed. Immediately those whimpers got, got cleaned up and their nose got dried up and they, they bowed up like men again, embarrassed that they had whimpered a little bit. For one reason and one reason only, light began to shine in the darkness. The darkness was still in that room. It just was not allowed to be in my perimeter. And I'm telling you, that is who we're supposed to be in days just like the one we're walking in. It doesn't matter the name of the situation that we're in. It doesn't matter what's happening all around us, what has been deposited in us by the loving hand of the Father, by the Holy Ghost, is supposed to radiate we are supposed to be like the sun at midday. And people should be able to see the light radiating from us. And it should cause an instant sense of relief and peace because they know there's somewhere the darkness can't overcome. And that is supposed to draw people. That is supposed to give people hope. That is supposed to give people courage to step towards you and the light that is flowing out of your life. As I was thinking about these things this morning, I was, I was reading over this, and, and the story of, of Daniel came up. 
You know, when, when you look in chapter 1 of Daniel, you find the story of Daniel, Hananiah, Mishael, and Azariah, the, the Israelite children that were carried off into Babylon. And, you know, when they, you, you think about this situation. Israel had been overcome. Jerusalem had been overtaken. They carried away all the best, the finest of the riches, the, the most intelligent people, the, the best animal. They, carried, they, they just came from Babylon, and they took everything. And these young boys were included in that. And they're removed from their homeland. They're removed from their families there. They're removed from everything they had ever known. And they're taken into a land where they have no control and they have no rights. And, and the first thing that happens is that they try to give them uh, uh, food and, and drink that are from the king's menu that is an incomplete, complete rebellion to the commandments of the Lord for their lives on what they're supposed to eat and not eat. And in, and in chapter 1, verse 8, Daniel says that he, it says that Daniel purposed in his heart that he would not be defiled. And I, and I love how it says that because it said he purposed in his heart. I'm not sure how long that journey took from, for them to get from Jerusalem to Babylon. But in that journey... There had to be a lot of deep thoughts and a lot of preoccupaciones, a lot of worries. There had to be a lot of concern. What's going to happen to us? What are they going to do to us? What are they going to make us do? How are we going to keep the commandments of the Lord? How are we going to walk in the laws of Moses? How are we going to maintain ourselves in holiness before the Lord and righteousness before the Lord? These had to be thoughts that were on them the entire journey as they left Israel to get to Babylon. And I can promise you that when Daniel and these, these young men, these young boys arrived in Babylon, they were already purposed in their heart what they would and would not do. They had already purposed in their heart when they were brought this list of foods and told to eat these things. They had purposed long before they got to that situation on what they were going to do and what they would not do. I've learned over the last 23 years of walking with the Lord that one of the most important things I can do is to purpose in my heart and set the boundaries and, and to make the declarations of who I will be and what I will do and what I will not do before the situations ever come upon my life. One of the, one, a simple example of that is when I first got born again and I came back from UAB, I'm, I got saved that night by myself with Jesus in my apartment. I called my dad up, Dad, can I come home? And I packed up and left. The next day I was back in, in my mom and dad's house. And I had no friends that I could go and be with because nobody was born again. I had no relationships. I basically lived in my mom and dad's house. And I had a job. And I went to church with them. And that was my routine for, for several months. But when I came home and I came into my mother, mother and father's house and, and I began to read my Bible and I began to develop a relationship with Jesus and he began to be more and more real to me, I made some decisions that I would purpose in my heart to not allow anybody to take away who Jesus is and who I am supposed to be. 
And, and, and I knew that I would be susceptible to, to running into my friends all over the city who I partied with, sold drugs with, did lots of things like that with. I knew that I would be coming in constant contact with these people as I worked here. And so I made up my mind. Before I even say anything out of my mouth when I run into one of my friends who knew the old bow, the dead bow, that the first things out of my mouth would be, I got born again, I got saved. Before I said, hey, how you doing? Hey, what's going on? Hey, what's up? Hey, I got saved. So I could take control of the conversation. I could take control of the direction it was going to go. And I could dictate the terms on which the relationship was going to move forward on. And I could take them to where I was now standing, into the light that I had been brought into, and not allow them to take me into the gloom and the darkness that they still walked in that I had just escaped from. And so I made that decision in my heart that I would be the one who would dictate those situations every time I encountered it. And I can tell you that it was pretty abrupt and, and it would be uh, overwhelming to people at times when you, you haven't seen somebody in a while and the next thing you know, they're just yelling at you, hey, I got saved. And, and most of the people that I knew didn't have any idea how to respond to that. But what it did, it allowed me to walk in the truth of who I was supposed to be regardless of the situation or the people that were all around me, regardless of their circumstance, circumstances, regardless of the doom and the gloom that was just trying to destroy them just like it had destroyed me. And what happened was it protected myself, but even more than that, it allowed hope to flow into people and it allowed the light of Jesus in my life to penetrate into their darkness and cause hope to spark in their eyes and at least bring them to a place of revelation that if somebody like Bo can be this person and can talk like this and can be this different, maybe that can be my reality. And, and I've used that my whole life walking with Jesus now because I purposed in my heart before I stepped into those situations. I purposed in my heart who I would be and how I would respond. I often am working things out in my mind and talking to myself. I'm often uh, driving in my car or with my family talking to myself and then my, my wife and my kids all make fun of me because I'll be over there having full-on conversations by myself and, and you know, not out loud, but my lips are moving. And, and Rachel says that sometimes my face gets pretty emotional. But most of the time, what I'm actually doing is I'm purposing in my heart how I'm going to respond to a situation that could come up or a situation that I'm anticipating to, to develop. And I'm, I'm, in, I'm purposing in my heart my response before it happens so that I can respond in a way that will honor the Lord Jesus in my life and will allow my glory to arise and to shine into the darkness. And when I say my glory, I mean the glory of the Lord, of, the, of Yahweh that has arisen over my life. And so you, you look right here in chapter 1, Daniel and, and these young men, I believe that in that journey as they were taken away in chains and in bondage, they had that journey. And I believe that they made some decisions while they were on that trip 
of what they would do and what they would not do. And you see that manifested in chapter 1 as Daniel and these young men, they, they, they asked for permission to maintain the, the, the diet rules that Moses had given them and to abstain from the things that were abominations to the Lord. And, and they asked for permission because they had purpose in their hearts to do it. And they were given permission, and the Lord honored that. And they were set above everybody by head and shoulders. And, and what's amazing is, is that they had to continually purpose in their heart their responses as, as life was evolving around them. And every time they found themselves in a different situation, they found the courage to respond, not because it was an in-a-moment decision. I don't believe that. I believe it was because they had purpose in their hearts, and they had a preset response through prayer and meditation and through the word of the Lord and the desire to honor the Lord more than they wanted to save their own lives. In chapter 3, you, you don't find Daniel, but you find the three young men and they're sitting there and, and the king Nebuchadnezzar, he's, he's, he's built this idol and, and I saw this uh, clip on one of those Bible movies and it, to me it was probably, it's how I could see it being. You've got like thousands of people in front of this huge idol that, that Nebuchadnezzar had, had resurrected or resurrected uh, erected and, and you got all of these people called to a formal meeting in front of this idol and when the, the trumpets sound you see everybody bow down out of the thousands everybody bows down except these three young men and on that, that clip you just see them kind of looking around at everybody else bowed down and there weren't just pagans there. There were other Israelites there. There were other people from the, from the people of God that were there. But all of them had bowed down, and I believe because they had not purposed in their heart to be ready for that moment. And they all three stood there, and they looked around, and their hearts did tremble, and they did feel the emotion of the situation, and they did understand the gravity of what their decision was fixing to cost them. But they had purposed in their heart how to respond to that situation before it ever happened. And when it came, they did not have to make a decision in the moment because it was already made. And the result, the story is, they're thrown into the, the fiery furnace, and it says right here, and I'm going to read it in, in, in chapter 3, verse 16. Nebuchadnezzar, he comes at him, and he's aggressive, and he's mad, and he threatens them. And Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, they, they answer and said to the king, O Nebuchadnezzar, we have no need to answer you in this matter. If that is the case, our God, whom we serve, is able to deliver us from the burning, fiery furnace. And he will deliver us from your hand, O king. And the satraps and the administrators and governors and the king's counselors gathered together. Oh, that's 27. I went ahead. But I like how it says that he, he will deliver us from your hand, O king. But if not, oh well, we're still not bowing. They had purposed in their hearts what their responses would be. And if they lived or if they died was not part of the equation. They had decided that they would honor the Lord God in life or in death. That is called faith. Faith does not say you're going to live. Faith says I will do it regardless of the outcome because you are worthy. That is the true definition of faith. And you can find it in Hebrews chapter 11. 
half the chapter did awesome, amazing victories, and the other half got cut in half and got thrown into lion's dens and got put on sticks and were burned alive because of Jesus. And so that's what faith is. I will do what the Lord God wants, and I will honor him, and I will allow his glory to shine through my life regardless of what it costs me personally. And, and that is, to me, one of the greatest ways that we can honor the Lord God. And that, to me, is what he's after, to bring us to the point where we can look and say, our God is able to deliver us. He can do anything. He is the Lord God Almighty. He is the only one omnipotent God. But whatever is the outcome of this, I will not bow to none but you. None but you, Jesus. I was up here the other the other evening. We had a, a very small prayer meeting with some of the leadership. And there was a story that came to my mind, a parable, and it's not just a Jewish parable. You find it in some forms in other cultures around the same time. But it's it's about the oak and a reed. And a lot of people believe that when when Jesus was given the parable or when he asked the question about John the Baptist in reference to when you went out to the wilderness, who did you go to see? Did you go to see a reed bent over by the wind? And, and a lot of people believe in the Jewish culture that that actually was a reference to a Jewish parable about a stalk of wheat or an oak tree. And, and it made me think when I read this several months ago, that because in Mexico there's there's cornfields and the main crop is corn, and and about this time every year from December on we have what's called nortes, and that's basically just cold fronts that come down basically from South Texas all the way through Mexico, and a lot of times they they come down those cold fronts and it'll come in with a 30 40 mile hour front of wind. And sometimes it won't even be rain. It's just the cold coming down, and it comes down with, a, with pretty ferociously. And that's about the time that our brothers and, and the rest of the Mexicans plant their corn. And what happens, that wind will come, and, and if the corn hasn't already uh, produced its actual its, its, its ear corn, you just got your stalks, and it's getting right there, and it's growing. But that wind will come, and it will knock down a whole cornfield. And it's nothing to, to see one of them fronts come by and five minutes later go out to the same cornfield that you walked before uh, through going to church and you come back by a little bit later and that whole cornfield is flattened. And the roots are still in the ground and it'll stay green all the way up until the stalk actually dies. But the problem is it will never give corn. It will not produce corn. If it has a very small ear of corn, it dies and it grows no more from that point on. And, and and so what they believe, the Jews believe that when Jesus was asking that question about John, they he was asking them, Who did you who did you go to see? Did you go to see somebody who is like a like a ear of corn, like a stalk of corn or a grain of wheat who will give way to the wind, who will be knocked down and will have its roots still there, will still stay alive, but will never bear fruit? Or did you go to see an oak? who would rather die and be uprooted than to give way to the wind that's blowing against him. That will resist all the way up to the point where the only other option is death instead of giving way. And, and I like that because it, it speaks to me on how I should be 
in the Lord in the day that I live in, in any situation that I encounter. I do not want to be a reed who will maintain his life, will, 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 will do whatever it takes to save himself, but will never have the option of bearing fruit because he bowed down to the wind that was blowing. I would rather be the oak who has to be pulled up by the roots, but as long as I'm alive, there's fruit on my branches. And that is what you see right here manifested through these Israelite children, these young men. They were men then. You see them deciding, I would rather be dead than stay alive. I would rather my roots be plucked up and me laid to the side and be done than to live trying to save myself and having nothing to offer to my Lord and my King. And that's a very powerful thing. And as I was reading through Isaiah, I'm going to go here to Revelation now. Because as I'm reading through Isaiah 60, and I'm just thinking about this for the, the, this, this week, this is time for us to rise up in splendor and be radiant. This is the day that the Lord has made us for. This is the hour that he has placed us in. And we are to be radiant. If you go to Revelation, you can go to, to Revelation chapter 1. But as you're going there, you know, it starts off in Isaiah 60, rise up in splendor and be radiant. That's the passion. Every morning when I'm with my, my sons and my girls in my house, and I go around and I'll wake them up when I want them to come into prayer, I'll open all their doors and go around and I'll tell them, rise and shine. And it's just a paraphrase of this first verse in chapter 60. And, and the boys all complain about how much they don't like hearing that because that's what they've heard wake them up every day of their life just about. But I think they actually do because they respond to it. But it's actually a declaration over their lives of what I expect and what the Lord God is expecting for them for that day as they arise out of their bed. They are to arise and shine. They are to take steps forward into the darkness and force the darkness back everywhere they go. I'm always telling my sons, no matter where they go, if they go to help somebody or they're going on a trip or they're going to be with other people, I always tell them this, be a blessing. Whatever you do, son, just make sure you be a blessing to these people. Be a blessing to that situation. Look and see how you can help. And that is just a further add-on to this. Rise up. Rise and shine. Be radiant. Are you being purposeful in these days? This is a difficult situation. Everybody's been affected by it. Uh, who knows for how much longer it's going to go? I don't. But I know this, that the goodness of the Lord has overtaken us in this day. That the Lord has set a table for me in the presence of my enemies. And that means if I'm in the presence of my enemies, I must be sitting in the middle of a battlefield. But even in the middle of a battlefield, the Lord has set the table with goodness and mercy and kindness and mercy for me and for you. And that's what our expectation should be, that the Lord has set a table for us and we're going to partake of that table and we're going to eat of the good things that he's placed for us and we're going to arise and we're going to shine and the glory of the Lord will be upon us. You know, when you get to, to Revelation, you find John, and, and, and he's, most people believe that this was after all the other apostles had been martyred, and he's the last original apostle alive. 
He's on the Isle of Patmos for the testimony of Jesus. He's old now. He's all by himself. He has no church to, to, to rely upon. He, don't have, he doesn't have brothers to come and visit him. He's been put on an island that they say is about 13 square uh, miles. It's barren. It's full of rocks. The only thing on it is a mine that they're forced to labor in. It is one of the worst possible places you could be. He is surrounded by murderers and rapists and the worst possible person. But in the midst of that situation, we see a man who had purposed in his heart over and over and over again that no matter what happens and no matter what situation he would find himself in, he purposed in his heart that the one thing he would never allow to diminish is his communion and his right to walk in living fellowship with his King Jesus. And no, even though there was no worship band to kick off the, the service, even though there wasn't people around him to lift his spirits when he was down, he had purposed in his heart that there was one relationship, no matter what they did to him, they could not affect and take from him. And that is the relationship with Jesus. And so on the Lord's day, you find him doing what he had already purposed in his heart to do before he got on that island, and that was to walk in a living communion with Jesus. And it is an amazing example of how we are supposed to feel and be zealous for the relationship that we have in this moment with Jesus. We should be walking in a living communion. We should be purposeful in these days. You have received, in the midst of everything that's going on, the Lord is working good for those who love him and walk in obedience to his righteousness commands. And so you have to understand, in the midst of everything that's going on, the Lord is doing mighty wonders. He's doing awesome things. And he is looking at you and his plans for you in the midst of everything that's happened is blessing and goodness. And you got a purpose in your heart even more now than even before to put yourself in position to sit with the Lord and to be intentional about your relationship with him. We can't go here. We can't go there. Kids don't have school. They're not doing sports. You can't go do this. You can't go do that. You have a gift from the Lord in these days. If you're one of the people that have to be in your home and are not allowed to move around, you have a gift in your, in your lap right now to sit and be in the Spirit on the day of the Lord. And if you will be intentional about that, you will find out that the Lord, he doesn't have favorites. You will hear the same voice that John heard. And it's like a voice of many rushing waters. It says in verse, uh, in verse 1, I'm going to go to chapter 4. In verse 1, chapter 4. This is John. He says, after these things, he, he had already had the encounter with the angel of the Lord, with Jesus, and, and he spoke to him about the churches. He, 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 he gave him an assignment. But in chapter 4, verse 1, this is what happens. It says, after these things, I looked, and behold, a door standing open in heaven. 
And the first voice which I heard was like a trumpet speaking with me, saying, come up here. I will show you things which must take place after this. And immediately I was in, a, I was in the spirit. And what's the first thing he saw? And behold, a throne set in heaven. And one sat on the throne. And he who sat there was like a jasper and sardius stone in appearance. And there was a rainbow around the throne in appearance like emerald. Around the throne were 24 thrones. And on the thrones I saw 24 elders clothed in white robes. And they had crowns of gold on their heads. And from the throne proceeded lightnings and thunderings and voices. And seven lamps of fire were burning before the throne, which are the seven spirits of God. Before the throne was the sea of glass like crystal. And in the midst of the throne and around the throne were four living creatures full of eyes in front and back. The first living creature was like a lion. And the, seven living cre the second living creature like a calf. And the third living creature had the face like a man. And the fourth living creature was like a flying eagle. The four living creatures, each having six wings, were full of eyes around and within. And they do not rest day or night, saying, Holy, 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 Lord God Almighty, who was and is and is to come. Whenever the living creature, whenever the living creatures give glory and honor and thanks to him who sits on the throne and who lives forever and ever, the 24 elders fall down before him who sits on the throne and worship him who lives forever and ever and cast their crowns before the throne saying, you are worthy, O Lord, to receive glory and honor and power. For you created all things and by your will they exist and were created. Come on, Jesus. That's one of my favorite chapters in the whole Bible. He was in the spirit on the day of the Lord in a place where it was the most physically difficult to be in. In the worst environment, in the worst circumstance, with no fellowship, with no church, with no worship music, with no air conditioner, with none of the comforts that he might have been used to before he got there, with none of the outward support. His relationship with the Lord had not moved one bit. His world around him had been altered and shifted and turned upside down, but there was one thing that had not been changed, his communion with the Lord. And we find him in the Spirit. And see, there, that, that is one thing we must all learn to walk in, is in the Spirit. No matter where we're at, no matter what's happening, no matter the circumstances that are swirling around us, no matter the gloom that's covering the face of the earth, no, no matter the, the thickness of the darkness when we look to the left or to the right, that is not, is, that is not legal. It is not legal for those things to dictate our relationship with the Lord Jesus. Jesus is jealous for us. And he will not allow anything to take his place, not even church not even relationship with other believers. He wants the sole source of our strength, our joy, our peace, our, our love, our righteousness, our faith to flow from the throne that he sits on. 
And all those other things are gifts that are given to us that we should rejoice in and we should celebrate. And when we can, we should participate and not forsake the gathering of the brethren. That is absolutely true. But we should not be held up on crutches. We should not be sustained and we should not be maintained by all those outward things that the Lord has given to be blessings to us as we neglect the one thing that is the most crucial and most important, and that is communion with him. He wants us to live in communion with him. And when we do that, it's not hard to hear the voice of the Lord saying, lift your eyes. John lifted his eyes, and he saw an open door. And that door is still open before us. I, you know, for the, the, the last year, with everything that was going on with us through our adoption and all that that required of us, I had to take a major step back in our work in Mexico and just because of the requirements and, and that having to take preeminence over everything. And if you would have asked me before last year that I didn't find my identity in going to church and preaching and starting churches and, and doing everything we do and what is our, our work there, I would have told you absolutely not. My identity is in Jesus. But it was amazing to me how much of that I actually relied upon for my own identity and for, and for my own source of strength and, and for my own sense of being needed. And I realized that that was completely illegal, that God was jealous for me, and that even though I got frustrated a lot of times in the last year because of what I couldn't do, what I'd become accustomed to do, that the Lord was actually trying to give me a gift and allowing me to come away to be with him where my only focus was him. Not a message to preach, not, not an anointing to carry to the next sick person, sick person in a village, not an authority to cast demons out in the next village I was going to go into, but just a desire to walk in fellowship with him, knowing that the only reward that I would have that day is just being able to feel him wrap his arms around me and tell me, thank you for coming to be with me again. Thank you for finding me important. Thank you for realizing that this is a gift I'm giving you where you don't have to think about anybody else or focus on any other thing but me. And the strength and the, and the, and the peace that came on my heart because that's where I started in the beginning. When we were in our church in Tuscaloosa, me and Rachel and, 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 and the other families that went to Mexico with us down there, Brandon and Heather and, and Isaac and Hannah, when we came out of the church that we came out of, we, we had been taught to lay on our face and to seek him. And, and the church, it was just wrapped up in, 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 an, in an effort, a corporate unity to seek the face of Jesus. And we had prayer shifts, and, and, and the prayer shifts, you'd come in, and, and, and you would be in there by yourself. It was not the church, with you, although there might be different people in there at different times. But there was, there was a need for prayer to be in the sanctuary, but it was so much deeper in that, the teaching and what Brother Pat was, was trying to instill in us. He was trying to instill the, the revelation that if you set yourself to seek him, you will find him. And, and, and I heard him say once, the reason I have to make these prayer shifts, one of the main reasons I do it is because people don't understand the need to do it at home. And they don't have the revelation that if you do this there, you will find him there just like you will here. 
And, and, and it was easy for people to come in and become involved in the prayer there and to take those prayer shifts and to give time to that because you would come into a service and you would encounter such, a, such an, an, an impactful presence of God that would just overwhelm you and your gloom could not come in the door with you. Your situation outside of those doors, they could not come in with you. That despair was not allowed to stay with you when you stepped into that presence because it was so overwhelming and Jesus was so manifest and it was so tangible and so he knew that people associated that particular place with his presence and by bringing people in there individually to pray and to spend time with the Lord even with it being in the building they begin to actually learn that I don't have to have the choir up there singing to feel the presence of Jesus come. I don't have to have Brother Pat up there preaching to have the word of revelation released into my spirit. It's just me and you, Jesus. And they would take that with them and they would realize I don't even have to be in that building because it's got nothing to do with the building. It has everything to do with me being with you. You, you, you have to understand, family, this is a gift inside of the turmoil. There's a gift. There's a precious pearl that the Lord is trying to bring us into. One of the greatest gifts I was ever given was this. It has been the foundation of my life for 23 years walking with Jesus. It is what has stayed me through every storm and through every wind of hell that has tried to blow me down that no matter where I find myself and no matter the circumstances that if I will stop and turn my face to Him and get down into my spirit and allow my thoughts to go to Him and as I look at the situation around me carefully to see what's happening and to discern the moment if I just allow my gaze to not stop there but to take that into consideration as it goes upwards I always see Him sitting on His throne I always see him reigning and ruling in power. I always see creation bowing down before him and casting their crowns. And I'm always able to see the angels flying around him crying, Holy, holy, holy is the Lord God Almighty. Jesus is jealous for communion with you. It is illegal for church to be your life source. Only Jesus. Anything else is offensive to him. And I'm somebody who does church every day, just about normal life. I start churches. I love church. I love worshiping God. I love being with people who are worshiping God. I love preaching. I love doing all of those things. But he won't allow any other idol in my heart, anything that is more needed in my life than him is idolatry and it's offensive but oh but when he's sitting on his throne when my eyes are fixed on him when my eyes are lifted up to the hills and why you lift up the hills because you're, that's higher than where you're standing when you lift your eyes to look where he is you see him and that is where your help comes from and when you walk in right relationship with him how sweet it is when we do all come together how sweet it will be if you're purposeful and you're intentional in these days in your home life 
to seek the Lord and to make him be your sole source of strength. How amazing it will be when we're allowed to come back into this place together. How amazing it will be. Do not allow these days to go by without you lifting your eyes and being intentional in your relationship with him. Don't be like the world. Don't see me how many shows you can watch on Netflix and binge. Don't see how many other things you can do. Be purposeful with these days. They're a gift from the Lord in the midst of chaos. And if you will be purposeful, what will happen is the glory of the Lord will begin to arise upon you because Yahweh will stand over you. He'll arise over you and he will hover over you because you're seeing him and you're going to hear his voice saying, look, there's an open door. Nothing's keeping you from coming up here with me. Nothing's hindering you. I'm arisen over you. Lift your eyes up and come up to me and I'll cloak you with glory. And you will be light in the darkness. In chapter 3 in Isaiah, in verse 3, chapter 60, one more time, it says, Nations will be attracted to your radiant light. And kings to the sunrise glory of your new day. Nations will be attracted to your radiant light. And kings to the sunrise glory of your new day. Nations will be attracted to your, to you. Nations will be attracted to you. Nations will be attracted to your radiant light. And kings to the sunrise glory of your new day. This is a new day for us. And the glory of the Lord needs to arise like the bright morning sun. It needs to arise upon us. And when it does, it will bring even kings to you. As those three young men resisted the the, the winds and the current of that generation to do like everybody else and to be be, be bowed down to the gloom and the darkness of, of that commandment to disobey God. As they stood there and they, they received the, 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 the recompense of that decision, they were cast into the fiery furnace. It, it says that as that happened, in 327, in Daniel, it says, in the administrators and governors and kings and counselors gathered together and they saw these men on whose bodies the fire had no power. The hair of their head was not singed, nor were their garments affected, and the smell of fire was not on them. And Nebuchadnezzar spoke, saying, Blessed be the God of Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, who sent his angel and delivered his servants, who trusted in him. And they have frustrated the king's word and yielded their bodies that they should not serve nor worship any god except their own god. Who spoke those words? The king. The king came and bowed down and to look at the glory of the Lord that was on them young men in the fiery furnace. This is not an anti-government measure. This is not anti any rules that we have in place. That is, you're missing the whole point if you're thinking that. You have shallow thinking if you think that. Because the outcome was not the point for the three men. The Lord chose how he was going to get glory. 
in that particular situation. And when they nailed Jesus on the cross, the soldier who was, who was in charge of that process was standing right there. And as he died and he gave up his spirit, and it became dark and the earthquake and all of that started to happen, it says that the, the soldier looked and said, surely this was a righteous man. Because the glory of the Lord was upon him even in that moment that brought revelation to somebody who was in utter darkness. He endured the, the, the sufferings and the pains of the cross for the joy that was put before him. He had purposed in his heart his response before he ever got to that moment. He had decided what it would be. Be purposeful. Be intentional in these days. We're all together. I have almost all of my kids except for two, which for us, that's, that feels like winning these days. But every morning, I'm purposeful about getting up and seeking the Lord. I, read, I, I get my sons and my daughters up, and mom and dad come. We all sit down, and we, we're reading our Bible together, and we're worshiping in it together, and we start our days off like that. And it would be easy to just sleep late every day and let the kids feel like it's summer break and let, let there be just complete time of relaxation. And, and that might have its place and it might have its moment. But I've, I have purposed in my heart that we will be intentional as a family, that we will seek the face of the Lord and that we will make him the preeminent one in our life in these days. And we will not be slack in these things. And we will maintain communion with the Lord. And we will build ourselves up with prayer and fasting and reading of the word. And we will allow the glory of the Lord to arise on us as a family. I have purposed in my heart that's what we will do. Because I want to be ready. Because I don't know what tomorrow holds, but I know that if I am following the Lord, I will be positioned to respond properly because I have purposed in my heart to honor the Lord in every situation. In different times in my life, since I've been baptized in the Holy Ghost, I can look back probably six times now, maybe seven, where I can look on Mark days on my calendar where the Lord began to woo me to come away with him. And I've had a life of seeking the Lord and, and being, being dedicated to my devotion with him since I was born again. But these would be times that are way different than, than my normal life of seeking God. It, it's times where, where great grace comes on me just to arise and to be with Him and, and to just be so fixed on Him that everything else fades away and it, it just becomes easy. And there's a season that I've moved into where, where that happens and, and you just feel the overwhelming presence of God. And, and, and somewhere in every one of those encounters if I begin to respond to that calling away to be with the Lord in a, in a fresh way, in a different way, in a more deeper way. There's somewhere in that process that I'll be baptized by the Holy Ghost again, just like you find in Acts chapter 4, where I'll be filled once again with the Spirit of the Lord. And it has never failed that every time one of these 
one of these seasons of visitation from the Lord that is outside of, of, of the normal comes and I receive one of those fresh baptisms of fire from the Lord. It is because there is something coming that I need to be prepared to, to respond to that is outside of the normal day-to-day life that I live. There are circumstances, there, there are situations, there are winds about to blow, there are relationships about to shift, there are crises in the world that are about to happen that are going to affect me and everything around me. And he wants me to be prepared to respond in a way that allows my glory to shine to other people who are in the gloom of darkness. And so I've learned through the years that when the Lord starts wooing me like that, that it is so vitally important that I respond because there's something coming. And sometimes I have no idea what it is. Sometimes I don't even, I don't even see it. It totally catches me off guard when it manifests. But in my spirit, I have been properly positioned and filled that after initial shot wears off, the glory of the Lord is allowed to rise up over me. And I'm not in despair and I'm not in fear and I'm not, I'm not in turbulence and I'm not in dismay. I'm actually steady and I'm actually filled full of peace. Quite a few weeks ago when I was here, I, I, I preached about one of those messages way before any of this, this stuff started happening. And I preached about something God had spoke to me months ago in Mexico out of Isaiah 26 perfect absolute peace surrounds those whose imaginations are consumed with you you can say the same thing lift your eyes up here and believe that when Isaiah prophesied to us to lift our eyes up higher and to look all around he commanded us to believe that believe the Lord is sitting on his throne. Believe that he reigns and rules. Believe that everything is under his feet. Believe that the earth is, earth is his footstool and heaven is his throne. Believe that his name is over every other name. Believe that his plans and purposes are good for you. Believe that he purposes for his glory to arise upon you and to shine into the darkness in this hour. Believe that there are plans and good works laid out for you in this day for you to fulfill that he created before the foundation of the earth for you to fulfill. And this is a day for you to realize that. And this is the hour for you to allow your glory to shine and to be set apart. This is who we're called to be. Light in the darkness. It's easy to come into church with several hundred people and be light. It's not always easy to be the one standing there as everybody else bows down. As everybody else gives way to fear. As everybody else gives way to despair. If every, as everybody else is consumed by what they can see because they don't have the courage to lift their eyes up. But God has called us to live with our gaze fixed on Him. You will become what you behold. In James, a few weeks ago, I heard Brother DJ actually read these verses out of James about when you, you, you look, when you look at the Word of God, when you look at the commandments of God, it's showing you who you're supposed to be. It's showing you what you're supposed to do.
It's showing you what your life is supposed to manifest. It's telling you who you are and who he declares you to be. But so often, man, what do they do? They look at that like they look at themselves in a, in a mirror. And when you look at the Word of God, it's supposed to be a mirror, not, not showing you who you are, but showing you who you're supposed to be. And as you behold what He declares you to be, that's who you're supposed to be. And you're supposed to actually believe that as I look at this mirror of the Word of the Lord, this is who I am. I am the glory of the Lord loosed upon the darkness. I am a son created in His image. I am a daughter formed and fashioned after Him. But the problem is, is that man often looks at that, he looks at the Word, he looks at what God declares him to be, and he turns and he goes away. And what happens? When he turns away from that, he forgets who he's supposed to be. We're not supposed to turn away. We're not supposed to take our eyes off of Him. We're not supposed to take our eyes off His Word. We're not supposed to take our eyes away from the mirror of the Lord that shows us who we really are. We must live fixed on Him. We must live intentional. We must live purposed in this day. I just want to encourage y'all with this. It it jumped around a little bit, and it's just how it came to me. I spent the last couple of days by myself trying to be with Jesus and and just spend time with Him and and just trying to steal everything for a minute before I came in here. And and this is just so prevalent on my heart. This is just, man, it excites me that this is a moment for me to rise up in splendor and to be radiant. It excites me that it is an opportunity for my light to dawn and for Yahweh's glory to stream from me. Don't allow despair to overtake you. Don't allow your your gaze to stay here below. Look carefully, but then take it up higher and place it before his throne. Cast it down before his throne with the crowns that the elders are throwing down. Cast your cares for the one who cares for you. Cast all of those anxieties to him because he cares for you. And his purposes are waiting to be fulfilled by us in this day. And when we do come together, it will be glorious. Let's come back together purposed and intentional. Let us come back together with deeper revelation of who you are. Let us come back together with a revelation that no matter where I go, when I turn my gaze towards you, you're there. And there's a doorway open to me to climb up and to see things not yet come. I thank you, Father. I thank you for the open doorway. I thank you that you, Father, have arisen over us, your church, over your sons and daughters. That this isn't a dark day for the church. This is a day of glorious, glorious glory. It's a day of splendor. It's a day, Father, that we can let glory shine from us into the darkness. This is not a dark hour for your family. This is not a dark hour of gloom for your house. This is a day of glory for your children, for your sons and daughters to receive revelation that will transcend generations just like John. Just like John was allowed to see things that had not yet come. You will allow your sons and daughters to see your plans and your purposes that have not yet been fulfilled or loosed on the earth. You will give revelation, Father, for those who will look up and see the open door and will come up higher with you. God, I look carefully. I look carefully and I bring it before you and I ask you, Lord Jesus, to rebuke the demon. I rebuke fever and sickness. I rebuke despair and I rebuke 
I rebuke darkness and gloom. And I thank you for your great glory. I thank you for the light that shines through your children into the darkness. Let courage and steadfastness come upon our hearts. Let us begin even now to purpose in our heart our responses to this world, to this generation, and to these situations. Let us begin now to be intentional about walking in fellowship and communion with you. Let it be, God, the life source of our life. Oh, Jesus. Let us coming together be an explosion of individual communion and fellowship and devotion. Let it be an explosion when we come together because we've been intentional about our life of intimacy with you. Oh, let it be so refreshing. And let the revelation be loosed on your people. Let it be released on your children. In Jesus' name, you are the Lord and you are seated on the throne. Hallelujah. Jesus bless y'all. And I'm finished. Man, thank you, brother. We appreciate that. We thank you for, for sharing that word with us. Thank you. Uh, thank you and your family. We love you guys so much. And, uh, man, we do not want to do this without you. Such a powerful, powerful word. And I know there's some people out there, you might be tuning in for the first time. Maybe it's the first time that you've ever uh, watched a service online. Maybe it's the first time you've ever um, just really spent time listening to the word and hearing God's word in your life. And I want you to know um, that, that it all starts, the light we're talking about starts with that little match, that little flame, and it's Jesus. And, and there's a time in your life where you've got to say, you know what, I'm ready to make a difference. I'm ready for God to use me. I'm ready to surrender to him and let him uh, be in control of my life and, and we call that salvation we call that we give our hearts to christ and, and what the bible says is that in romans 10 9 10 it says that if you declare with your mouth that jesus is lord and you believe in your heart that that he was raised from the dead mm, that god raised him from the dead you will be saved so the bible says you have to speak it with your mouth and believe it in your heart and then you'll be saved and what that means is you get to spend eternity with him so if that's you, I don't know where you are at and what you're doing at this time. I don't even know whether you're watching this later or this is live. Uh, but if you've been far from God or just never know, uh, never knew God as your personal Savior, now's the time. It's never too late, um, and now's the perfect time. So, so we're going to give you that opportunity right where you're at. So with every head bowed, every eye closed, no matter where you're at, all you have to do is, is repeat this after me, and we're going to declare this with our mouth. We're going to declare it with our mouth and believe it in our heart uh, that God's, that he's our Savior. So we're going to do that right now. So just repeat after me. Say, Jesus, I need you. I've kept you out of my life for too long. I can't do this on my own. Change me. Come into my life. Be my Savior. I know you died on the cross and you rose again just for me. Today, I surrender my heart and my life to you in Jesus name amen amen if you said that prayer then man you, you have a seat at the table you are eternity you'll be in heaven with Jesus and that's so powerful and we want to send you information so so if you just said that for the first time or first time in a long time let us know reach out to us you can email us 
uh, at info at destinychurch.al. You can call the church office. But let us know uh, that you said that prayer. Let us know so we can send you a free book. We have free stuff for you. But basically, we want to reach out to you and walk you through this process, show you what's next, talk to you about um, things that we can do and, 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 and walk you through this, this process. Such a powerful moment, and congratulations, because I'm just fired up for you. Uh, and I know here at Destiny, this is also uh, part of our worship is giving, and we can't do what we do. We can't, we can't broadcast this. We can't put this out online. We, we can't do all this stuff uh, without you and without your giving. It's so powerful that, that when you obey God and when you give back to him what, what he's given you, when you give back to that, well, it allows us to bless other people. It allows God to work through us. So you're not giving to a church. You're giving through a church uh, for God to do amazing things. So what we're asking right now is that, that wherever you're at, now's the time to give. So I'm going to pray over our offer, and you can give in two ways. You can go online on our website on the app, and you can give that way. Or you can, you can, you can write a check. You can send cash, however, and you can just put it in the mail, and our address is on the screen. We just want you to know that, that God's ready to do, do extremely abundantly more in your life and, and through our church. And, and he wants to bless people and we get to bless people. And what you don't see is everything that we get to give to, all the people we get to help, all the stuff behind the scenes that you don't see and the, the missions that we sponsor and, and organizations throughout the country and the world that we support because of you, because of your willingness to give. So this morning we're going to pray over that. We're going to receive offering and then we're going to bless you for the for the rest of the week so let's pray together say father we thank you god we love you lord we thank you that we can still come together as a church be it in our homes or anywhere but as a church family we can come together and worship you we thank you for that we thank you for this calling in our lives we thank you lord for for you using us to be a light in the darkness and father as as we give lord we know that you can do so much more with what we give than we could ever think of doing so, Father, this morning I ask you to bless the gift and the giver. Father God, I ask you to do abundantly more with what they give. And, Father, right now we just, man, I lift up everybody out there, Lord. I lift you up no matter where you're at, no matter what you're doing. We ask God to touch you, to breathe on you, to, to let you be a light in the darkness throughout this upcoming week, to, to just guide you and bring peace and comfort over your heart. Just, Father, we just thank you for your love. We thank you for, for your outstretched arms. We thank you for your grace and mercy in our life. And, Lord, we just we surrender to you. Come holy. We just need more of you, God. We just need more of you. So, Father, bless us. Be with us throughout this week. We give you all the praise, all the honor, all the glory. In Jesus' mighty name. Amen. Amen. Well, we look forward to seeing everybody next week. Stay tuned. I'm hoping that and praying that all these uh, the leaders are reaching out to you, letting you know that you're loved. We're going to send out stuff online through throughout the week. We'll be touching base with you and, and giving you just just encouragement on social media to let you know that you're loved and you're missed. And we look forward to wrapping our arms around you. Uh, we thank you for tuning in this week. Share this with your friends. Get it out there to everybody. Let them know that, that God's ready to do mighty things in your life. So we thank you. We love you. We see you again next week. Take care.